Hello. Plague has a remarkable place in history and has had enormous effects on the development of modern civilization. Some scholars have even suggested that the collapse of the Roman Empire may be linked to the spread of the plague by Roman soldiers returning home from battle in the Persian Gulf uh, in 165 AD. For centuries, plague has represented disaster for people living in Asia, Africa, and Europe, and because of the cause of the plague was unknown. Plague outbreaks contributed to mass panic in cities and countries where it appeared. The story of the Black Death begins in China and Inner Asia. The most widely believed story is that in 1347, the plague decimated both sides of the fight between Kipchak Khan Janibeg and the Genoese traders. After defeating Janibeg, the Genoese ships headed west and docked at Messina. The people who gathered to meet them were shocked to find a crew either dead or gravely ill, covered in black boils that oozed blood and pus. The authorities hastily ordered the ships away, but it was too late. From 1347 to 1353, the Black Death invaded most of Europe and killed over 20 million people, 60% of Europe's population. In this week's podcast, we'll be discussing the Black Death and the media's influence on it. I'm here with Jingjing Yang, who is an expert on the plague. So tell me, Jingjing, how far did the Black Death stretch? I'm talking geographically. Not long after it struck Messina, the Black Death spread to the port of Marseilles in France and the port of Tunis in North Africa. Then it reached Rome and Florence, two cities at the center of an elaborate web of trade routes. By the middle of 1348, the Black Death has struck Paris, Bordeaux, Lyon, and London. What form did the media take during that period and how to report on the Black Death? Curiously enough, there are many sources and media during the chaotic times. Most of these were written by doctors as treatises and public government orders. These were mostly based out of ignorance and advertised many ineffective and dangerous cures. How did the people cope with the Black Death? Some people coped with the terror and uncertainty of the Black Death epidemic by lashing out at their neighbors. Others coped by turning inward and fretting about the condition of their own souls. Some upper-class men joined processions of flagellants that traveled from town to town and engaged in public displays of penance and punishment. They would beat themselves and one another with heavy leather straps studded with sharp pieces of metal while the townspeople looked on. For 33 days, the flagellants repeated this ritual three times a day. Then they will move on to the next town and begin the process over again. What did the people and the doctors think was the cause of the disease? Well, according to Thomas Moulton's The Plague Book, the plague was partly caused by a conjunction of Saturn and Jovis, which would be Saturn and Jupiter, and the enhancing and enhying of knaves and emperies of mighty men spoiling and destroying of kingdoms and lordships. This accredits the spread of the plague by divine methods and sins against the rules of the Christians. The ignorance later led to many unsafe practices. However, it is not only the physicians that can be blamed for such beliefs. This is deeply rooted in the Bible, and most significantly in the passage Samuel 24:14, that God offered David free punishments for his sins, hunger seven years, pursuing enemies for three months, or pestilence for three days. David chose pestilence for three days, yet by the first night, half of his people were dead. Then David cried out for mercy from God, and the pestilence was ended. By this logic, the only way to overcome the plague was to win God's forgiveness. So that would explain the appearance of the flagellants. Some people believed that the way to do this was to purge their communities of heretics and other troublemakers. So, for example, 
Many thousands of Jews were massacred in 1348 and 1440. What did the doctors use to try and cure people? <clears throat> well, no one at the time knew how to treat the pestilence when it was rampant. Physicians depended on the fury of um, the 4th century BC physician Hippocrates and the philosopher Aristotle, as well as the 2nd century BC physician Galen. These theories were used in the treatises of the doctors. They were widely distributed and contributed largely in the incorrect methods that people treated the pestilence. According to the Nuremberg Chronicles, physicians relied on crude and unsophisticated techniques such as bloodletting and boiling, practices that were dangerous as well as unsanitary, superstitious practices such as burning aromatic herbs and bathing in rose water or vinegar. Others insisted that gold was effective against the disease as it drew its power from the sun, according to Boccalio's The Decameron, which was an account of what happened during that turbulent time. In a panic, healthy people did all they could to avoid the sick. Doctors refused to see patients, and priests refused to <clears throat> administer last rites. Many people fled the cities for the countryside, but even there, they could not escape the disease. It affected cattle as well as people. Many people desperate to save themselves abandoned their sick and dying loved ones. Pasteur Boccaccio wrote, each fought to secure immunity for themselves. What do the people think of it? Today, this grim sequence of events is terrifying, but comprehensible all the same. In the middle of the 14th century, however, there seemed to be no rational explanation for it. No one knew exactly how the Black Death was transmitted from one patient to another, and no one knew how to prevent it. Not the doctors, not the pope, not the lowest farmer, nor the richest man. Let's move on to modern media. How does the media cover the Black Death outbreaks nowadays? The plague has never been subjectively viewed and analyzed from a third person's perspective. During the ancient times, the primary issue was with the plague media was that it was often misinformed and ignorant. One could even argue that it is better than its modern variant, because at least the doctors tried to tell their truth, which is relatively useless as it introduced cures such as drinking ground-up emeralds in wine. However, modern media is all about sensation. It's about telling whatever story that attracts the most attention. Even a minor outbreak can be categorized by the plague is back. Today, the media is assailed on all sides by the crushing economics of their business, dishonest sources, inhuman deadlines, page view quotas, inaccurate information, greedy publishers, poor training, the demands of the audience, and so much more. These incentives are real, whether you're the Huffington Post or the CNN or some tiny blog. They will warp everything you read online. When the news is decided not by what is important, but by what readers are clicking, when the cycle is so fast that news cannot be anything but consistently and regularly incomplete. When dubious scandals scuttle election bids or knock billions from the market caps of publicly traded companies. When the news frequently covers itself with stories about 
how the story unfolded. Media manipulation is the status quo. It becomes a thicket which stands between us and the facts of life. To understand how the media manipulates the truth, we must first see how the media constructs a narrative regarding the plague. Jingjing, Jing, do you have an example of this? Yes, I do, in fact. Let's take a look at the Daily Beast article on the return of the plague. Bubonic plague is back, but it never really left. This portrays the plague as a Cinderella narrative arc. Typical to this fable, it is an arc that rises, falls, and rises again. The main arc that the media is trying to present is that the plague has in fact fallen and then returned. One could find the message from its title. It implies that the text focuses more on the fact that the plague is back and less about the fact that it never really went away. As, but it never really left, is the second half, and in parenthesis, indicating its lesser status or importance in comparison to the fact that the plague is back. The, but it never really left, part indicates that the page will also talk about how the disease has been quietly surviving for over 700 years. A, the tiny tagline says, A plague outbreak in Madagascar has killed 40 people so far, and due to antibiotic resistance, it could kill many more. This obviously tells the audience that this is the main point of the story. But half the text is just describing each clinical form of the plague, which is important, yes, but more focus on the actual narrative would be better. Perhaps they didn't have enough information to f feed into that sensational headline. The title, the latter half, leads us to think that the author will write about how the flea survived throughout the years, but he doesn't. Instead, we get a bit of about Madagascar, and a necessarily detailed list of the plague's clinical forms and how the plague spreads. From this, we can determine that the title is only there to draw attention, and the article is not at all what it implies it would be. In comparison, another article with a bolder, more sensational headline reads, Black Death Plague, Why is the Plague Back? How the Plague Started in Madagascar. You are, or at least I am, immediately drawn to three things in the title. Kill tens of millions, global outbreak, and why is the plague back? This title scares audiences. When you hear Black Death, you instantly remember that horrible period in human history where millions of people died because of rats and fleas. The author makes it sound like the Black Death is terrible, and it is. The way the sentence is phrased with the word back in capital letters implies that the author doesn't want this, or is disgusted by it, or is genuinely curious, or all of the above. This does wonders for spreading fear and mass panic. In fact, this is actually beneficial to the news source because, according to MIT research, news with the negative connotations, fear, surprise, and disgust, spreads faster than real fact-checked news. The author gives a brief statement as to what the plague is and then jumps right in giving us statistics and some background info on the Madagascar and bubonic plague relationship, although it doesn't tell us how the plague came to Madagascar. So conclusion, don't trust everything you're being told. Run it through and properly think about it. In this age, it would be hard to find a shred of truth among the choking, strangling branch of lies.
so long and thanks for listening. We are Victoria and Jingji Yang from Web's official podcast organization. Tune in next week for our next podcast.